It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 91 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host and producer, and it's with great pleasure that we bring you the latest episode, and this one was recorded on Saturday the 12th of March. Of course, in just a moment, Chris will be joining me to get up to date with the uh, the latest cruise news, and he's got some cracking maritime history this week, which I think you'll really, really enjoy. But of course, a quick shout out to all of you that have been listening with us from day one, and also to anybody that may be joining us for the first time. It's it's great that you've chosen to uh, join us, and I hope that you will join us again for future episodes. Don't forget, you can see each and every episode. All 91 previous episodes are available on the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, and uh, that's where you click on episodes. You can also find cruise news. And if you want to get in touch with the show, that's where you do so as well. Just click on Join the Show to uh, send an email through to myself and Chris. But uh, let's get straight into it. Let's get Chris on the line and let's start off with a bit of maritime history. And of course, Chris is with us each and every week and he's back this time once again with some incredible maritime history and of course the cruise news as well. Chris, welcome back. Thanks, Barry. It's great to be back. Yes, and um, we've got some great maritime history of the week that you've handpicked, which ties in very nicely with the news from Cunard, of course, about the uh, the new, or the, not the new captain, but the, the announced captain for the beautiful new ship, Queen Anne. And you're going to tie that in very, very nicely with uh, the changes to the livery that have happened over the past uh, 180 years. Yeah, so when they announced, Baz, that um, the captain of Queen Anne will be Captain Inga Klein Thorkhouse, who, of course, is a very much-loved captain with Cunard, and she mm-hmm. was, in fact, the first uh, female captain for Cunard um, back when she first took command of Queen Victoria uh, yeah. several years ago. Uh, so that was quite a historic moment as well. Uh, but for people who have been watching the Queen Anne information with a keen eye, they would have noticed, and you probably noticed as well, uh, Barry, I think you and I might have spoken about this, mm-hmm. that the ship's livery is slightly tweaked compared to what it is on the current fleet. Yep. And in saying that, the the, the hull, um, the paint for the hull, the black part goes up right up to the 
to the top deck of the of the bow, whereas mm-hmm. the current ships have a white, about a one-story deep white uh, stripe along the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll also notice that the name Cunard has been brought down into the hull um, in white, and then the Cunard crest is being included on uh, the hull as sort of like um, part of the sort of hull art, I suppose. Not not to the extent of many of the big cruise lines yeah, that yeah. have the the very uh, elaborate hull art, but of course a little bit different from what they've got in the existing ships. It's classical and- difference, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is about this is that it is a difference, it is a change, but it's definitely not the first time Cunard's changed its um, its livery. Um, and so I thought we could just have a little chat about uh, what has happened over 180 years in terms of that iconic look that the company is so well known for. Brilliant, so, go for it. Yeah, cool. So uh, if you go back to the first steamers, they were originally uh, the steam-powered ships like Britannia, for example, its funnel was uh, clad in a red paint clay combination that was designed Ooh. to make the the hull, uh, the, um, the ship's funnel uh, not uh, get too hot. It was sort of like an insulate um, oh. insulator kind of uh, a material. Uh, it was a, it was applied like paint, but it was a much thicker uh, application. And as the funnel heated up, the paint clay. <laughs> started to cook onto the funnel and it cooked in a slightly different color red which gave oh. us the iconic cunard red yeah um, so interestingly enough the cunard funnel color was almost by accident i suppose in terms of that <laughs> original origin now you'll also notice that cunard's colors include the the black top of the funnel or in the current ships um the the front part of the funnel is black and then the red kind of covers around the base yeah yep the black part was also a bit of a mistake, um, a bit of a chance happening because what would happen is as the ships were making their way from port to port, the smoke and soot from the coal engines would uh, make the top of the funnel dirty in sort mm-hmm. of like a, a residue. And so rather than cleaning it all the time, they just decided to paint the top part of the funnel black, which gave <laughs> us the red and black. Now, Brilliant. I love it. You'll also notice that um, Cunard's funnels have the two stripes, the two black stripes in the red part. You look back at older Cunard ships and the funnels had multiple stripes down the funnel. And those were actually joints between the different sections of the funnel that were in black when they were applied to to the different sections. So it was like a section of funnel, then a joint, then a section of funnel, then a joint, and the black bands were originally the joints. Right. the Cunard iconic brand, like so many old, uh, very old and uh, and famous brands, came to be through sort of happenstance and um, coincidence, basically, uh, through these different combinations of, of, of reasons why the funnels were the way they were. <laughs> now, the ships used to have their hull paint- painted black. Paddle steamers didn't have a, a white superstructure. There was no sort of noticeable superstructure. But mm-hmm. as the ship started to grow in size, they they started to have the white part, which is the you know where the passenger decks were and in the lifeboat yep. area and that sort of thing. Yep. And towards the front of the ship, you would see a um, the white extend down to the to the bow, and then usually like a row of portholes, and below it there would be the black hull. Um, very similar yep. to what you see on many of the great ocean liners at that time. When Cunard introduced the Lusitania and Mauritania, 
they were first painted in this style, but before they entered service, they actually raised the black paint from the hull up to the top of the bow, which gave them, yeah, it gave them sort of like a uh, a bit of a different forward profile, actually made them look probably faster and racier and sleeker, (laughs) which of course was, you know, what they were, they were the fastest ships in the world. But um, it just sort of gave them that very distinctive look that um, that they became very well known for. This uh, this change to the to the ships was dropped um, after Aquitania, so she also had it applied. But yeah. when they looked at um, Queen Mary and and Queen Elizabeth, they actually brought the white deck of um, uh, on the bow back. Uh, you can see pictures of it on my website, for example. Yeah, I know what you mean. Two yeah, different yeah. ships, if you know what I mean. And yeah. the front, it was now the white would come right around to the front where the where the tip of the bow was, and then it would go one deck down. It would start the black hull, uh, and that uh, was kept for the queens. And of course, all the way through this, they're using the traditional Cunard colours, but mm-hmm. there's no name on the side of the ships, just the name of the ship, but not the name of the company. Yeah, and there was no um, visual painting of the logo or anything on on the ships they would fly the cunard flag of course which had the the rampant um lion holding the globe um which of course is still used to this day but it wasn't painted on the ship it was just on the flags mm-hmm. now when they started to plan for qe2 they actually introduced the cunard red lettering that block lettering that's still yep, used yep. today um on two of their ships that they were retiring uh, but wanted to sort of hold over the line between the Queens and the QE2. That was uh, Franconia and the Carmania. They they carried that that lettering. Right. But before we got there, they made one of the most dramatic changes to their um, Cunard made one of the most dramatic changes to their livery in the 1940s when a group of uh, designers, and you can only imagine, were sitting around um, maybe <laughs> drinking Midori perhaps <laughs> uh, because they decided to paint an entire cruise ship green. And that Ooh. was a, quite a, a dramatic departure, you know, uh, from, from the norm. Uh, this was Coronia. She was, she was painted in four shades of green and it might seem like a bit of a strange thing today to think of it. It actually a, sounds a awful, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually not. You know, it was a, it was a unique combination of of pale greens um that worked really well on coronia it, check it out on my website there's a picture of her there i'm gonna have um, to coronia of 1949 maybe we can put one in the show notes yeah um but the reason why they painted her green baz is not because of some strange mistake or uh, a miscommunication <laughs> <laughs> as you might guess uh but she was actually the first liner built for cunard that was a dual purpose liner designed to mainly undertake cruising and so ah. she was so unique in that she would meander around the world year round that they wanted her to really stand out. And she was given this very unusual livery, which somehow worked for her and became known as the Green Goddess throughout her oh, career. Oh, of course. So, yeah, yes. yeah. I know so the name. Well, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And that's Coronia. So very different from um, the traditional Cunard colors. Then with um, uh, in the 1960s, QE2, um, of course, continued the tradition of having um, the Cunard lion as the the emblem on the flag, but completely walked away from the traditional Cunard colours in the funnel. 
She was uh, put into service with a black funnel with a white cowling, no red and black mm-hmm. bands, which was quite a huge departure. Um, this was, of course, done on purpose. It was done because QE2 was supposed to be the ship that broke the mold of traditional ocean liners. And at the time, they felt that the new color scheme, the very, um, very sort of uh, 60s-inspired design and the new color scheme on the funnel would allow her to have her own presence than not be too heavily associated with the old Cunard ships. Okay. But she, of course, still carried the black hull yeah. and had the Cunard red lettering, the big block lettering on the side, mm-hmm. which had been introduced um, a few years earlier on the Franconia and the Carmania, but they used it also on the QE2 as well. And that's, of course, what we see all the way through to this day, that big Cunard lettering yeah, on the yeah. side of the ship. Very ships. iconic, yeah. Yes. If we move then a bit further forward... In the uh, era of the Falklands War, the QE2 was uh, called into service. Of course. And, yes, yeah, so she operated as a troop carrier down to the Falklands. And when she finished her service in the Falklands, they gave uh, the ship a complete uh, re, um, rebranding, I suppose. They relaunched it as the new QE2. Um, Cunard's funnel colors were added to her funnel for the first time. This is 1983. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, when she was being put back into service. But um, the hull was painted a light pebble grey, which is very, very different from the traditional Cunard colours again. Yeah, yeah. That lasted all of about six months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was not popular. Um, and by halfway around her world cruise, it was so dirty and, and, and um, scuffed from the tugboats and stuff that they decided that they were going <laughs> to repaint her. So... They obviously had quite a lot of, um, you know, spare cash because <laughs> painting a cruise not, ship yeah, is expensive. Not and cheap, the ship yeah, of Kiwi yeah. Two, yeah, not cheap at all. Um, and so Kiwi Two was then re, re, uh, repainted in the traditional colours, and when she had her re-engineering in the nineteen uh, late nineteen eighties, she was given um, a bigger funnel, a thicker funnel, and that had the traditional colours on it as well. Mm. In nineteen ninety four, Barry a Kiwi Two again was given a repaint, but instead of it being a black hull, it was a dark navy blue. Mm. Um, And at this stage, the Cunard Lion was applied to the uh, superstructure as a decal above the name Cunard. So Ah. you had this sort of emblem there on the hull. Now, two years after that, the emblem itself was getting damaged from repaints and that sort of thing, so they took it off. (laughs) (laughs) And in 1999, they put her back to her black hull colours, so that's where Cunard's kind of current livery was was confirmed, the dark hull once again in black and the the traditional colours on the the funnel. So (laughs) bring us forward now, Queen Elizabeth, Queen Victoria and Queen Mary too uh, all carry those same colors that QE2 had towards the end of her career. Yeah, yep. Um, Queen Anne is going to obviously have the same colors, but unlike the existing queens where the Cunard name is in red on white superstructure, they have put it reversed in white on the black hull and they've reapplied the emblem. I can only imagine that it's been applied in sort of cut steel the way that they do on some of the other carnival brands where it's kind of embossed into the hull of the ship yeah which will make that decal problem from the 1990s that qe2 had that won't be an issue because it will be obviously a, its own um piece of metal that can be painted yeah yep, yep. um and uh they have said in their latest release that they've just refined 
some of the elements of the of the emblem a little bit because it has leaves that go around it and they're very intricate on the flag and on all of the documentation. I think for metal work, that would probably be yeah. hard. So it's just Simplified, being sort of yep. tied it up a little bit. But when they talk about the fact that Queen Anne has a refined livery, it is really very minor compared to what Cunard has done in the past, which I thought mm. was quite interesting because you think of these brands like Cunard, it's known for its history, it's known for stability, it's known for its iconic symbolism and those colours were almost by mistake back in the 1840s. <laughs> the um, brand name itself was not applied to most of the ships until the 1960s <laughs> and, um, and of course, the, the lion itself. It's not the first time that the lion's been put on the side of the ship and, uh, and we might see it being applied to the other ones. I don't know. So we'll see what the future holds. Yeah, they, I mean, these cruise lines that have got all this heritage and traditions, they have to be very careful because a lot of people, you know, are very loyal to that kind of icon and styling and things. So to make subtle changes is, is fine, I guess, but to make some dramatic changes, as you said before, with some of those other changes they made, then uh, it does upset a few people and they end up having to, to redo things. <laughs> well, I think that's the interesting thing, Baz, is that you look at P&O, for example, which had the I- absolutely iconic buff funnels, the yellow yep. funnels yeah, yep. and the white hull. And it was so connected to their history and their heritage. And in the, I think, like 2014 it might have been. Was it that they long removed, ago? They removed that and replaced it with the blue. And, you know, they're stuck at it. But even to this day, many people still people talk about it. Yeah. To, <laughs> yeah. Say, like, I miss the yellow funnels. It was, that was the iconic piano colors. Cunard, though, I think is significantly more recognizable in terms of its brand. Yeah. And I think it's also a brand that definitely has that embedded into culture piece in terms of its um, appearance. Yeah. Like you can't say that the Queen Mary and the Queen Elizabeth are a continuation of the original Queens, for example, (laughs) if they look so ridiculously different. QE2, they try to do that on purpose to mm-hmm. separate them because they didn't want that old image. But with the current brand, you have to be able to make that link. And so I don't, I mean, thank goodness, I don't think that they'll be removing um, the Cunard colors from the funnel or going to a, um, a different a different livery. But you know what I would say? If they had said Queen Anne was going to be the new green goddess, I would have been okay with that. Would you? That would have been, would have been very interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because there's a historical connection there, right? Yeah, yeah, true. A, a, a luxury, game-changing cruise ship, which is what Queen Anne's supposed to be, um, taking that 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 um, that luxury to a new level. And Coronia was exactly that. So if they'd brought her out and said she's going to be green, I would have been cheering from the top of the from the top of the mast. It would have been really cool. Yeah, do dig out that photo because I knew the name, but I never actually pictured that that she was in fact various shades of green. So send, do send it through, and we'll get it in the show notes so that everybody can have a look. There's three coronias, Baz, so it's hard. It's hard, it's easy enough to 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 um, <laughs> get confused as to which one. But the most famous of the three was the Green Goddess. <laughs> Love it. Now let's just quickly talk about Inga as well, the, the captain, of course, of, of Queen Anne. Um, you mentioned she's been around with Cunard for quite some time. You've probably sailed with her, I would imagine, because you've sailed with Cunard an awful lot. Um, but she, of course, will be bringing out this beautiful new ship, which will launch in May of 2020. And she's going to be sharing the duties with another captain, of course, which is uh, Captain David Hudson, who mm-hmm. also started back with Cunard back in 2006. That's true, yes. Yeah. So I think Inga will be the, um, the you know, the, each of the ships have sort of like the primary captain. And then, then when they go Secondary, on leave, yeah, another yeah. captain comes in um, and looks after her. So there's the two captains there. Uh, and they, they will both, um, they will both uh, share uh, that responsibility. And it's interesting, you know, because... 
um, you know, with, uh, with the, the variety of captains they've got, quite a few of them have um, history and heritage that dates back to, to when Cunard was a, was a slightly different um, kind of line. It was uh, 2006, <laughs> of course, they, they still had QE2 in service. They'd only just been working on um, bringing out uh, Queen Victoria. So um, the company itself has changed quite a lot since then, but it's nice to have that continuation of people who've been with them for a long time. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. And we look forward to uh, receiving more information. Some more information was dripped out this morning, actually, with the, some of the interiors of Queen Anne, so we'll include that in, in next week's show. Uh, Chris, we normally take a little break before we come in with the cruise news. I'm just going to have a little sting of music, but we're not going to put an advert in, and I'll explain why in just a second. Sure. First of all, Paul, we're going to jump into some news centred around the Ukraine. And with that in mind, I saw this interesting article online that I thought maybe we should try it. Normally, we have a little advert in the, the podcast somewhere for buy me a coffee. But I actually read that um, Airbnb have an interesting uh, setup, Chris, where we can actually uh, buy a, a night in a hotel in Kiev. And the, the hotel will actually use the money that is donated uh, in that uh, form uh, to actually provide meals uh, and shelter for, for children and for, for all sorts of uh, good causes um, back in the Ukraine. So instead of asking people to buy a coffee this week, I'm asking you, if you have got a bit of cash and you would normally do something like this, maybe just take a little look in the show notes. There's a little link to it there. And for literally the equivalent to about seven UK pounds, um, you can buy this night in the hotel, which obviously you're not going to use, and that will go towards the cost of meals, medicines, mm. and um, food and things for the, for the people in that region. So uh, quite, uh, yeah. quite a good cause there. It's it's great that you mentioned that, and like as we sort of around the world watch these unbelievably sad and tragic events unfolding, it's quite um, hard to know what to do to help. Mm. You know um, that in twenty twenty two this sort of uh, thing is is still happening. Uh, so to be able to help that way, the other thing that's interesting is that um, not only are people um, doing things to help, but companies are as well. Yeah. And uh, Carnival have announced that they'll be making a fifty thousand dollar donation to World Central Kitchen, which will be supporting the Ukrainian efforts um, to, to feed people who are being displaced uh, by this terrible war. Yeah, they announced that, of course, on their uh, the, the foundation day, I guess, of what Carnival was. Um, and so they announced mm. a whole heap of different things that are going to be happening. But this was a particular highlight where they mentioned the 50,000 US dollars that they're going to be um, donating as well. And let's just keep with that Carnival theme for just a second, because a couple of their ships uh, had a little bit of a rendezvous, I believe, out in, in the ocean there to celebrate the 50th this week. Yes, that's right, Baz. So Carnival Breeze, Carnival Ecstasy, Glory, the new Mardi Gras, Carnival Pride, Carnival Sunrise, and Carnival Vista. Uh, or near Cozumel, which is, of course, a very popular destination, a Mexican island there uh, that they, they will visit quite regularly as part of their cruises but they did celebrate the 50th anniversary. Yeah, had all sorts of things going on, including deck parties, uh, playlist productions, and a particular a ship tick, no, a ship talk, not a TikTok uh, competition. <laughs> it's on board on the deck as well. So uh, well done yeah, to Carnival. Yeah, and it's interesting, uh, you mentioned TikTok, and of course that's a very popular app. And then Carnival, again, in Carnival News, has launched a health verification app yeah. uh, for their US customers. They call it Verify. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, What's the app that they're utilizing, basically, and they can um, uh, it can help them increase the the efficiency of your ability to uh, prepare your health assessments prior to embarkation. Yeah, so basically, upload your vaccination certificates or records or whatever you have, and uh, your any rat or 
uh, PCR test that you may have done, and it's all just sort of in the central app, and it's accessible by Carnival, and just makes check-in that so much easier. So yeah. another another little contribution there to help things move along smoothly uh, in the check-in process, which is always greatly appreciated. Um, That's right. We spoke a little bit about Oceania just a couple of weeks ago, and I knew we'd end up speaking about it once again, because every time they come out with uh, some of these new itinerary deployments, it's always a record sale. Mm-hmm. And this one has smashed everything yeah. yet again. Uh, the 2024 yes. World Cruise sold out in how long, Chris? Uh, 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so it went on sale for 30 minutes on the 2nd of March. And uh, if you blinked, you missed it. So um, quite exciting, really. And, and again, just the the sheer desire to return to sea obviously people around the world but oceania as a as a as a luxury brand i mean you can't you can't blame them it just looks like such a wonderful experience so yeah um i imagine that uh they will continue to to have uh, record sales for the near future. Exactly, and interestingly, further down in what the in the press release, it also mentioned that you know world cruises are normally pretty heavily um, undertaken by loyal repeat guests, but more than fifty percent of the people booking on that world cruise were actually new to Oceania. So, you know, a lot mm, of people that yeah. have, you know, missed... well, why not treat yourself after the last exactly? Years, hey? That's what this must be down to. Exactly, Absolutely. exactly. Goodness me, um, we had some great news out of Virgin this week. Actually, they've partnered up with J Lo of all people. She's actually become a bit of an investor and she's taken on what would have been normally a godmother kind of role but they've completely reinvented it yes well i mean it actually makes perfect sense with virgin because it's such a um sort of game-changing brand Mm -hmm. and so they're taking everything to the to the next uh, next level and they're redefining as they call it their um uh, appointment of a godmother um to allow uh jennifer lopez there to become the line's chief entertainment and lifestyle officer yeah, she's no longer Jenny from the block. She's Jenny from the dock. <laughs> I stole that one from Richard Branson. It wasn't mine. <laughs> Did you? Okay, I thought I didn't see the actual release from from uh, Richard Branson. So I thought you've done a really good job there. No, man. no, you no. He, <laughs> if you watch his video, there was a, a video of the phone call that they had, and uh, he, he was trying to think of her a title and her name, and that was one of them that he, that he came up with that oh, she wasn't particularly happy with Jenny from the dock. Oh no! Well, fair enough. <laughs> I think um, Chief Entertainment Officer sounds, sounds <laughs> well, CEO, Chief Entertainment Officer. Exactly. There we go. Yep. She's just taken the uh, the leading role. <laughs> now, uh, speaking of madrinas and godmothers, Princess has also celebrated the madrina of the Discovery Princess. Yeah, that's right, Baz. A little bit different. Um, the hotel general manager there um, will be uh, taking the role, Terry Siblinik, who's uh, currently on board the Sky Princess, mm. but, um, you know, is well-versed in leading large teams of people to provide excellent service. She's currently in charge of 1,200 people in her hotel department. But she's been with Princess uh, since 1998, uh, back when it was a very different company. And so for her to be able to um, be honoured in that way is is a nice tribute. Yeah, of course. Uh, Discovery Princess was delivered to them back on uh, 28th of January this year, back in Fincantieri. She's got 3,600 guests, of course, uh, medallion-enabled, like all of the the princess ships now. And she'll be uh, making her maiden voyage out of the Mexican Riviera, sorry, from Los Angeles, and heading up into the season for Alaska as well. And speaking of Alaska, there has been some announcements um, from uh, the Canadian government that have allowed a number mm. of different cruise lines to uh, get excited and uh, reconfirm all their plans around Alaska and, of course, East Coast Canada cruises. The first one on the list, of course, being Cunard. Yes, yeah, so Cunard's going to return with Queen Elizabeth, uh, who, of course, was scheduled to go up there in 2020 after Australian season, which never happened. Uh, Princess as well will be re- returning to uh, to Canada mm-hmm. and uh, and have a New England program as well. 
while Holland America Line as well, uh, very, very well known for that particular region of the world, uh, will be spending some time there on the eastern seaboard uh, with Zandam uh, making calls at Halifax. Um, and uh, then there'll be Atlantic Coast sailings as well yeah. uh, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and Montreal. Montreal yeah. No, great news for, for everybody concerned with that one. Um, we've had some great news as well from MSC also in North America, a brand that we normally think of probably more so in Europe, but this time they've announced mm. for the first time ever year-round sailings from good old New York. Yes, it's New York, New York for the uh, MSC brand there. They'll be basing uh, home porting there from the, from the Big Apple, as they say. Uh, from April of 2023, and those voyages will go uh, into the Caribbean uh, as well as up to New England and Canada, and also some voyages to Bermuda. Yeah, no, some great itineraries in there. That's all on board MSC Meraviglia, of course. She's 315 meters long, 19 decks, and 5,700 guests, so she's definitely an impressive ship. And uh, lots of little facts around her in the show notes, so always a good excuse to jump on the website as well. Uh, Barry, there's 20 bars and 12 restaurants on board, so you definitely will have lots of choice on board. Ooh, time for a bar crawl. Why not? <laughs> uh, why not? Yeah, you don't even have to worry about who's the designated driver. Exactly. <laughs> um, our friends at Azamara have also got some good news around their godmother. Who have they chosen, Chris? Goodness, there's a lot of uh, uh, godmothers being announced in this particular uh, episode, but mm. Azamara onward will be having Beth Santos as her godmother. She's a founder and CEO of a... Um, global community and lifestyle brand called uh, Wonderful. Uh, so she is uh, taking the godmother role there at Azamara Onward. And uh, would you like to share some information about what Wonderful does, Baz? Yeah, so it's basically, uh, it started off as a bit of a travel uh, blog and it now basically connects 45,000 women from around the world who want to connect and engage in activities and meaningful travel basically all over the world. Um, mm. And it's it's done some incredible work um, since 2014 in particular. Um, but just reading also that um, Beth herself has been cruising uh, since the age of two with her family, and she's mm-hmm. uh, of Portuguese origin, uh, sorry, Portuguese-American origin, and she's particularly uh, looking forward to uh, the 16-night Portuguese Pursuit voyage, which is uh, taking place out of Lisbon. How wonderful. Mm. Um, we should mention, actually, that the christening will be taking place on the 2nd of May in Monte Carlo. And then that ship, of course, will have an array of different itineraries as she tiptoes around the Mediterranean. Sounds great. Now, we're going to go in some small ship cruise next, Chris, with uh, Pernant. We've spoken about Le Commandant mm. Charcot a number of times. What's she done this time? Well, uh, last month, she actually set a record in reaching the uh, latitude closest to the South Pole, mm. uh, the closest navigatable latitude, uh, which is, you know, remarkable. She's one of those ships that is rated, of course, for that particular part of the world. But she managed to uh, achieve a latitude of 78 degrees, 44.3 minutes south in an area called the Bay of Wales in the Ross Sea. Wow. Sounds remote, definitely. Well done, Penance. Remote, cold, I imagine, but <laughs> it must be just spectacular to be there on a ship that can get so close to um, that wonderful continent. Yeah, and of course, uh, Penant uh, working with scientists as well on board to, to collect new data and grain, gain greater insights into how we can do better things to protect not only Antarctica, but uh, other places in the world as well. Mm. Let's stay with Expedition as well. Um, the Dutch Polar Tour Operator Oceanwide Expeditions has announced the 2324 uh, program. Yes, they have. Uh, it uh, looks like a pretty exciting program, actually. Um, there's classic expeditions and also a series of uh, never-before 
uh, scene voyages that will make up their 2023 and 2024 lineup. Um, of course, Antarctica being the the, the sort of focus a- area there. Um, they'll be going to the Waddle Sea, uh, Wilkins Ice Shelf, the Falklands Islands, which of course isn't Antarctica, but it's a pretty famous area mm. in the South uh, Atlantic. South Georgia, again, another famous area in the South Atlantic. Uh, we mentioned the Falklands War earlier in the uh, in the um, podcast, and both those areas were involved in, in both staging and, of course, the actual conflict. So there's quite a lot of history there. Um, and then into the Antarctic Peninsula as well uh, on these voyages, as well as what they call their classic base camp cruises, which are things that they've had experience with in the past. Yeah, it's where you can actually go and camp out on the, the snow mm. and ice. Um, it's, it's pretty pretty unique, pretty impressive. And some of their ships do look pretty spectacular as well. So uh, if you're thinking of a, a voyage uh, to uh, the poles, then uh, ocean-wide you may not have heard of them, but check them out or get your travel agent to check them out for you. Let's move into uh, river cruising next. Erosa, who we quite often talk about when it comes to European river cruising, um, they are taking their premium cruises to the next level with Premium Plus. Yeah, so it's uh, from 2023 onwards, and it's based on a, a heap of uh, guest research they did, market research. Um, you know, it's nice that companies can do the market research and then actually enact it, which is really good, mm-hmm. uh, because of course, you know, it's great for passengers to give give feedback and then see that that change coming through. So they've now created this Premium Plus uh, operator um, standard that they're going to be utilizing, um, and it really is about personalizing the experiences uh, for the guests and ensuring that there's all sorts of uh, unique. Um, and authentic experiences for people to explore. Yeah, authentic food, authentic experiences, and of course, doing it sustainably wherever they can as well. And they also got to focus their bears on more entertainment and increased relaxation. Oh, well, we'll take that. That's what cruising is all about, after all. Yeah, it sounds exactly. It's basically <laughs> like wrapping it all up in a nice little river cruise package. <laughs> now, let's stay with the rivers, but this time in North America, Viking mm. is shaking things up with the floating out of Viking, Mississippi. Yeah, so she's a 386-guest ship. Uh, she was floated out in Louisiana, so mm. it's interesting. She's being built, an American-built ship there. Um, and will be operating voyages on the lower and upper Mississippi River in uh, areas between St. Paul and New Orleans. Uh, so that'll be really exciting. And to bring that Viking feeling and experience to the Mississippi will be uh, quite special. There's, as I say... 386 guests and 193 uh, cabins. All of them are outside. Um, And she's got a whole heap of uh, state-of-the-art design features uh, over the five decks of the ship, which will make her stand out amongst uh, some of the more traditional ways that you can do river cruising there in uh, the United States. Yeah, I think given the the size of the Mississippi, they've been able to really take the best of the European river cruise experience, the best of the ocean Mm. cruise experience, and blend it into this beautiful... Um, big river cruise vessel, which is not like anything else on the Mississippi, which of course is famous for the paddle steamers, uh, but uh, some of the images of this particular ship do look very impressive. Um, this next bit of news, sorry, we should have included earlier when we are talking about the Ukraine, but I've just noticed that Fred Olsen um, and the team at Fred Olsen in particular, the staff there, have um, sent uh, a whole array of goods over to the U- Ukraine and uh, Fred Olsen and the group of companies have agreed to fund the fuel to be able to get that over to them. So uh, not only well done to everybody else we spoke about earlier, but also to Fred Olsen as well. And our last bit of news cruise, I'm sure a lot of listeners will have seen it on the mainstream media, Endurance has been found. Yes, that's true. So of course, uh, Sir Ernest Shackleton's ship, which was... Uh, uh, not been seen since it was uh, lost in the ice there in the Waddle Sea in 1915. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been found. It was uh, 3,000, just over 3,000 meters 
down in that uh, in that sea, which is a considerable depth. Yeah. So no wonder it's taken so long. Um, and uh, the search area itself was uh, sort of organized and, and planned uh, before the, the the salvage, I guess, and and, uh, and exploration team left uh, Cape Town, which is where they set off from. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's remarkable to think that the ship is um, now being discovered, rediscovered. Yeah, and then to be fair, the images are pretty impressive. It looks very much intact, as or as intact as you would expect after a hundred years of being under the ocean. But uh, yes, yeah, it, it does look incredible. And well done to all that were involved in uh, finding that, of course. Yes, I'll be speaking with uh, um, Harvey Deegan, who does a, another um, a radio program and a podcast about Remember When. We'll be talking a little bit about. Uh, the endurance as well on that because we do a once a month um, maritime history segment. Ah, well, there you go. I know Harvey too. Well done. Um, Chris, that's all we've got in this week's news, but um, it's been a bumper edition of news as it is every single week at the we minute. We got through it quickly, but there was a lot of stuff there. I know, and so much more in the show notes. Like, If you ever want more information on anything we've spoken about, there's generally a good uh, paragraph or 10, depending on the cruise line, uh, that have been sent through to us. So we try to include as much as we can in the show notes, which you can find on the website for each and every episode. And within the, the show notes, you can also find the link to your YouTube channel, Chris. And uh, you did something different last week with the YouTube. I did. So our, our listeners here, if you're interested in the idea of the podcast as a in a video format uh, for our 90th episode, which was last week, mm-hmm. um, I actually did do, put the podcast on my YouTube channel complete with imagery uh, that goes with all of the different topics we were talking about from the his- history then through to the cruise news. Um, it is, of course, a 38 or something minute minute video. So uh, it's quite quite long for my my usual audience who tend to prefer sort of like the, the yeah. five to ten minute kind of uh, kind of videos, but for anybody who's here who hasn't seen it or hasn't seen last week's episode, just wants to 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 try out that format, um, give it a try. Um, otherwise, Baz and I have had a bit of a chat, and we're thinking of maybe having the maritime history segments from the podcast, some of the some of the more relevant ones, maybe shared on my my YouTube channel yeah. as well. But of course, the podcast and the podcast apps where you currently listen to this. Will always be the place for the full for the full podcast and all of the um, detailed information that we have uh, here as well. So I'll just be doing some things around the side on YouTube, and in a in a not not too distant future, I'll have a, a fairly um, important update about my YouTube and uh, and uh, direction that the social media that I'm currently on will be taking. But I won't. Uh, share that just yet i'll wait until the announcement is ready to be made it's something yeah, interesting we'll coming up in the not too distant future yeah look yeah. forward to that and also well done chris because i know how much time it takes to find images um for for things like uh youtube oh and, and it must have taken hours upon hours to find 38 minutes of, well, I of thought images so, you know, this will be easy the audio is already recorded it <laughs> took about four hours to put the um to get the images oh. just to line up yeah i can only imagine yeah. <laughs> with what we were talking about because it was quite a quite a bumper episode um last week so i think the maritime history will be more con- more contained it won't be every week by any means because sometimes we talk about really obscure things that this audience is interested in but youtube would just be like huh you know <laughs> Brilliant, Chris. Thanks once again, mate. It's always a pleasure, and we look forward to doing this, uh, maybe not the same time, but who knows, at some point next week we'll have another uh, chance to discuss the latest cruise news and maritime history. Thanks again. Thanks so much, Baz. See you on board. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.